Thank you for joining us today. No doubt about it, God speaks to His children. That gut feeling we sometimes refer to is God speaking to His children through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we incline our entire being to Him, we will recognize the different ways He speaks to us. And when He speaks and we obey, He will order each moment of our lives, and we will be blessed and be a blessing beyond human comprehension. Have Bible pen and paper handy. You have your Bibles. Turn with us to uh, the book of Jonah once again. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to focus on verse 8 of Jonah chapter 3. And there the word of God reads, But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, And cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Jonah chapter 3 verse 8. Again, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence That is in his hands. Once again, we want to preach from this particular theme. Revival comes to Nineveh. Revival comes to Nineveh. Beloved, revival among God's people is so vital, so critical, so important. If we're going to experience spiritual reawakening from a state of spiritual sluggishness, from a state of stagnation, from a state of dormancy in the life of believers. A key critical component that ushers in revival is prayer. For without prayer, we can have no revival. Without prayer, there is no reawakening reawakening spiritually. Prayer is essential to the life of the believer. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. You're wise indeed if you teach your children how to pray. Husbands and wives should be praying together. We ought to live in a spirit of prayer. But if you're going to do that, then we need to define it. What is prayer? What is prayer? This is one of the fundamentals of the faith. What is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. It's talking with God. Believers are to pray about everything, being confident that God hears and answers our prayer. Through prayer, God's children speak to him. Through prayer, God's children call on him. And through prayer, God's children cry out to him. The scripture says in the text, Jonah chapter 3, verse 8, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry. Look at the prayer there. And cry mightily to God. Underline that. And cry. That's prayer. They cried out with passion mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. The king of Nineveh passed an edict that he and his people would cover themselves with sackcloth and cry out mightily to God. 
Hearing the message of Jonah deeply moved the king to humble himself and pray lest imminent judgment from Almighty God would come upon him and his people because of their violence and evil ways. Beloved, like the king, we too must get serious about prayer. I reiterate, we too must get serious about prayer. As a matter of fact, uh, the Lord himself said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's why you saw so much prayer here today. You just heard me pray before scriptures, before the, the, the reading of the scriptures. And you heard others pray throughout the congregation, praying over evangelistic cause, praying in the opening of the service, praying over the prayer list, prayers all through the fiber of the worship experience. Because it is prayer that empowers the worship celebration. It is prayer that makes for a strong, united family. You know what prayer does? Prayer, prayer keeps the devil from having his way in marriages. That's why you ought to pray. Prayer, keeps you, prayer has a way of keeping the devil from having his way with your children and with your grandchildren. Prayer keeps that car running when it's about to break. Now, make sure you do service maintenance, by the way. Don't just dog the car out and then say, oh, God, help the car to God says, no, I'm not answering that prayer. You, was, you, were, you were negligent. So you do your part, then God, God will do his. Amen? Uh, don't say, God, help me pass the test and you haven't studied. God says, now give me something to work with. I'm not going to, yes, I can do it all, but where's the training on your part if I do it all? What you going to learn if I do it all? Beloved, like the king, we too must get serious about prayer, especially with all the crime in our society. Every time you look at at television, the the Internet or wherever, it's crime, crime and more crime. Uh, We need to pray because of health crises and tragedies. We need to pray because of natural disasters. We need to pray because people uh, have suicidal tendencies. We're in an age of suicides. We, we need to pray because people are, are, are they, they are just tied up and entangled and held captive by addictions. Addictions to pornography, addiction to crack cocaine, uh, addiction to marijuana, addic- addiction to gossip and talking too much, addiction to being angry, addiction to being mean, addiction to alcohol and tobacco and vapor rising and all these kind of things. You were not born with a chimney in your body. So why don't you just stop smoking? Then you want to sue the the tobacco company. Stop trying to sue. You don't have a chimney in you. You know, uh, let that stuff go. And then you want to sue everybody. Stop. uh, Get yourself together and ask God to deliver you. That's what you need so you can breathe and take care of your children, take care of your family and live a long life to the glory of God. You shorten your life through all that stuff. And these kids, they put flavor in these, this vapor rising and all that stuff. Candy flavor, cherry flavor, just making it smell good, taste good. And we're wiping out a whole generation. We need to pray against that. Opium is an epidemic proportion. We need to pray because of uh, addictions and financial debt. So many people are entangled and held captive by debt. Then. They're in a crisis of death. Others need to pray because you're stressed out and you can't go another further. Others, you are, uh, uh, you need to pray because of worry. 
Worry is choking the life out of you. Others, you need to pray because of rebellious children. Children with bad attitudes. Husband with bad attitude. Wife with a bad attitude. A lack of communication in the family. You need a restoration of communication in the family. When y'all were dating each other, you were talking. Why you stopped talking? What happened? If y'all weren't talking before before you started dating, you wouldn't have anything to do with each other. Hey, he won't even talk. He won't even say good morning. He won't say I love you. Why should I be interested in this man or woman? Then all of a sudden you get married, you just stop talking. He just just grunt. Huh? Uh uh. Yeah. No. Maybe. When? Uh uh. Speak in sentences. Communicate expressively. Put some adjectives in there. (laughs) Whole lot of reason we need to pray. You know what we need to pray? Because we're in troubling times in which we live. It is critical that we have a renewed passion of prayer and for prayer. And I pray that after hearing this message, you'd be motivated to pray. Why must prayer be priority in the lives of believers? Why must prayer be priority in the lives of believers? It should be priority in the life of children, teenagers. The greatest thing a child can hear is his daddy praying. The greatest thing a child can hear is mama praying. When's the last time you laid hands on your children, on their head, and say, call their name and say, come here, let me pray for you? Daddy, when when, when is the last time your child stumbled into your bedroom wanting something and found you on your knees before God talking to the Lord? They'll never forget that indelible spiritual impression. A, why must prayer be priority in the lives of believers? A, we must give priority to prayer because we can see it in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. We must give priority to prayer because we can see it in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Because God's people pray throughout the entirety of Scripture, we can learn from their example and ask the Lord to put within each of us a spirit of prayer. You can ask the Lord to put within you a spirit of prayer. I'm going to give you a rich samplings of the saints praying in Holy Scripture. And hopefully seeing all these saints praying will motivate you to pray. You ready to take a Bible exercise? Now, you're not going to be able to turn pages. I'm going to be going too fast. They'll come up on the screen, but at least write the scripture reference down and you can look it up in your quiet time with the Lord. In Genesis chapter 24, verse 42, it says, Abraham's servant prayed for, for God to reveal Isaac's wife. That, that's, you know what, parents? That's what you ought to be praying for. You ought to be praying right now while your children are young, a teenager, whatever, that, that God send the right husband or wife in their life. Because if he doesn't, that's going to be hell in the family. It's not too early. I started praying for my wife when I was a teenager, and there she is almost 42 years. Same woman. 
Same woman. I'm not messing with you. Don't mess with mine and we'll be just fine. Why don't y'all just say amen? Yeah. Some of y'all got problematic marriage because you didn't pray. Pray for God to reveal Isaac's wife. Verse 42 says, and this day I come to the well and said, oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way which I go. In other words, God, show me who to marry. In this case, this servant was praying that he bring back uh, the right wife for Isaac. And he didn't want to mess it up. He didn't want to mess it up. And, and Abraham was very particular. He didn't want, he didn't want a wife for Isaac in the, uh, uh, with the neighboring countries because they were pagans. They were idolatrous. They, were, they, 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 they did a little everything. They, they would have led Isaac away from the Lord, away from his God. And so uh, Isaac told the servant, don't, 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 don't go to surrounding countries. No, no, the neighbors. No, no. I want you to go all the way back from whence I've come. Yeah, and I'm going to pray you there and pray you back. I'm just kind of putting paraphrasing it here. And uh, you pray and, uh, and trust God to bring back a wife for Isaac. God answered his prayer. You better start praying for your spouse right now. You pray. Then when they come into your life, when you get married, you, you, let me just say this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me say so much is on, not on the paper. I thought I was going to kind of get through. But I don't know. Some of y'all out here, I don't know who's out here. It's somebody. It's, you know, it's a whole lot of you are in problematic situations because you didn't pray. You pray for a wife or husband, and then when you get them, you can't stop praying. Oh, I got them now. I can stop praying. Oh, no, you got to keep praying. You got to keep praying because those marriages can go south in a minute. It amazes me how folk want to have a $40,000 wedding, event wedding, way over in Nicaragua somewhere. They, the whole party go to Mexico. They go... Go to South America, you know, pay all of this money. A train that's 50 feet long on the wedding dress. Thousands of dollars. And then when they get married, they don't even have, um, I can't say what I want to say because we're preaching. But, but when they get married, they don't even have anything decent. They don't have a couch to sit on. There I go. Isn't that nice? Somebody, some of y'all say, there, there you go. <laughs> See, y'all know where I was going. Some of y'all say, there you go. That's nice. Don't have a couch to sit on. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all know where I could have gone. I'm on radio and, you know, on the internet and all that, you know, so. <laughs> and, and, and all of that, the marriage don't last three months. Yeah. He said, and this day I came to the well and said, Oh, Lord, God of my master, Abraham, if you would now prosper. When the last time you prayed that God would prosper you, prosper the way in which I should go. I don't want to bring home the wrong woman to to Isaac. I don't want to mess this up. Now, the greatest decision you're making all your life is, is the decision to trust Jesus Christ alone as Lord and Savior. Believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the greatest decision, is getting saved. I believe the second next greatest decision 
is your decision as to who you're going to marry should you desire to be married. Because you with that person to death do your part. Now, some people, you know, this, this, the end thing is not living together and not being married and no ring, no license. You got a license for the dog. The dog got the shots. You know, you got license to fish and license to hunt. Why, how are you going to let that man live with you with no license? You're more valuable than that. Man, how are you going to lay with somebody that you're not married to? Got children in the house, living like you're married. What kind of example is that before your children? You're teaching your children to do the same thing. I hope we have a whole lot of marriages coming up because of this message. You see? Oh, let, let me try to go on a little bit further. That, I just, that's just the first scripture. I got a whole lot more to go on. Uh, in Genesis 20, 17, Abram, Abraham prayed. Verse 17 says, so Abram, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. You want to have children? Pray. Get married, then have children. Don't have children, then get married. Get, get married first. Children are to be born in the institution of marriage. By the way, marriage is the first institution that God created. It wasn't a fraternity. Wasn't a, it wasn't Trinity Unity University. It, it, God didn't create the sports first. It was, it, it was the institution of marriage. He brought Eve to Adam. Bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh. In Numbers 11, 2, Moses prayed. Verse 2, it says, then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. They wanted the judgment. And they cried out to Moses. <laughs> and, and God quenched the fire when Moses prayed. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Hannah prayed. You know, she couldn't have a baby. and She was barren. And God answered her prayer. In verses 1 and 2, she's rejoicing to the, to the God of her salvation because of a babe being born. And she prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. She, she says, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you can smile at your enemies? Because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like, like the Lord. For there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. She, Hannah prays a prayer of thanksgiving for, for the child. In Judges chapter 13, verse 8, Manoah prayed. In verse 8, it says, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born in Judges uh, 1628 Samson prayed in verse 28 it says then Samson called to the Lord saying oh Lord God remember me what a prayer oh what a prayer Lord remember me I pray strengthen me this is after he had acted a fool and all of that and went went a whoring after uh, other women messed himself up lost his eyes lost his hair lost his strength uh, lost his freedom and there he is, a little weak, puny man, messed up, made mockery of. And in prayer to God, he says, remember me. I pray this once. Oh, God, that I may with one blow take vengeance 
on the Philistines for my two eyes. He was blinded by the Philistines. You know what? God had mercy on him in the waning hours of his life. And Samson, when he uh, pushed those pillars down, and that, that, that the whole thing crushed, that stadium crushed, and he killed more Philistines in his death than in his life. God heard and answered the prayers of Samson. In first King, I'm, I'm walking through the Bible, y'all. In first Kings, uh, uh, chapter eight, verses 22, 23, and 26, uh, Solomon prayed. Verse 22 says, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of, in, of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. Now, what a wonderful way to pray. You just lift up your hands to God. Verse 23 says, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servant who walk before you with all their hearts. Verse 26 says, and now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant, David, my father. Solomon prays. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elisha prayed. In verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around. When the enemy was all around, Elisha was so uh, comfortable and so at ease. The servant was a, he was a hot mess because he couldn't see what Elisha saw. And so Elijah said, I need to calm this rascal down. He's too worried about the enemy. He just said, he just prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And when he opened his eyes, I met that servant and said, wow. He saw horses. I mean, a whole lot of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. No wonder he could just kick back and twiggle, uh, and twiggle his toes. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 and 19, Hezekiah prayed. Verse 15, 19 says, Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. How many times you have said, you are God, you alone. I love saying God is God all by himself. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heavens and earth. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. In Ezra chapter 10, verse 1, Ezra prayed. Verse 1 says, now while Ezra was praying, look at that, he's praying. While Ezra, Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, confessing what? Sins, weeping and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. And look, look who were engaged in prayer, the men, the women, and the children. They were all praying before God. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5, Nehemiah prayed in verse 5, it says, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, Oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. 
In Psalms 55, 7, the psalmist prayed. In verse 17, it says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. You ought to be praying in the morning. You ought to be praying in the evening. You ought to be praying at noon. Every time, I like that song that says, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray upon the mountain where my God spoke out of his mouth. Came fire and smoke. The Jordan River is true, chilly and cold. It chilled my body, but not my soul. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will move you to pray. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel prayed. In verse 10, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went home. I mean, they, they, were, they, con, they conspired on this man, this righteous man, and, you know, to, to kill him. And in his upper room, while they were conspiring, he was preparing to pray. That's what you do when your enemies are conspiring against you. He went home. He went home. Now, some of y'all can't pray because you're out about too much. You can't go home. Why are you out in the streets at midnight? What are you doing out there? You can't get it. If you're not coming from work or going to work or doing something very strategic and intentional, you ought not be just roaming around. I'm just joyriding. Go home. Get hit by a drunk driver or something. Your, your, your children, they're living under your roof. They, they ought to have a curfew. And children, let me tell you something. They're not giving you that curfew uh, to be mean and to be uh, hard on you. They're trying to preserve your life to keep you from killing yourself. You got to have some perimeters around you, your life. You just can't say if it feels good, do it. You'll self-destruct. When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.